Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. Well, I wanted to, um, I have a burning message here, but I can't go by this without uh, at least drawing your attention to it. I was watching the news last night. There's going to be all these eclipse parties. People are going to go out and get drunk, and they're going to do all this stuff. And, man, I just, it just grieved my heart. I want to talk to you about tomorrow's eclipse. That, um, one, we're not going to worship the moon and the stars, and we're not going to get hooked on the zodiac from, the, from a negative point of view from the occult perspective, but we'd also be foolish not to look at the word and wonder what he might be saying. So let me give you a scripture on this one. In, uh, right in Genesis, the first chapter, in verse 14, the first book of the great word, it says, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Interesting that the first one listed there is It divides the day and the night, but it says for signs, plural, seasons and days and years. Now, Jesus himself in multiple times in the gospel, uh, Luke 21 and Matthew 24, he said, uh, watch out the sign. And he talked about the sun and the moon and the stars. We know from the Magi in the Christmas story, the Magi came and they followed the star. It showed where the birth of the child would be. So, I just want to give you some interesting thoughts about this, and um, you ponder it. If anything, it ought to make us at least consider to be closer to him as the day draws near. Uh, In just a matter of days, we're going to witness the most unusual solar eclipse in U.S. history. Could it be possible that very strange coincidence surrounding this event, some sort of special significance... The mainstream media is buzzing about the upcoming solar eclipse for months, and it can be easily watched. Last week, uh, there was an article published called The 12 Critical Events That Are Going to Happen During the 40-Day Period from August 21st until September 30th. It's interesting that this is the walk-up to the feast days, time of repentance. Listen to... um, In Luke 21, 25, the Lord Jesus specifically warned for us to watch the signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars just prior to his return. So we should be watching and we should fully expect to see something happen just before Christ comes back. First contact in the state of Oregon is the 33rd state in the United States. The last contact is in South Carolina. This is where the eclipse is going to go. The eclipse happens on the 233rd day of the year. If the Revelation 12 sign is valid, if you look at the Revelation sign there in chapter 12, it says the eclipse is also 33 days before September 23rd, 27. Then the eclipse is also 33 days before September 23rd when Jesus is thought to have been 33 years old when he died. There's something about 33. It also happens to start not only on the that state, but it also happens to end on the 33rd parallel in Charleston. Some say the 33rd uh, levels of the Masonic, if you go all the way around to the 33rd, it comes out in the mountains in Israel. And if you, re- I don't know if you've ever heard the prophecy from uh, Chuck Pierce, he said, the strongman over Charleston is coming down. 
He gave that prophecy, I think it was 2004 or seven. And so we've been to those places and some of our team has prayed in there, took communion at some of the highest levels. Um, so there's, there's something about that. Again, just interesting that uh, the first city that it hits in Oregon is called Salem. Salem was named after Jerusalem in history. I didn't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Um, it happens exactly in Oregon at the sunset time in Jerusalem. Just, is that coincidence? I think our God is just incredibly, incredibly. <laughs> the center line crosses 12 primary states to receive total darkness. 12 disciples, 12 months in a year. 12 is the perfect number. It also happens to mean perfect governmental foundation. The eclipse path is exactly 70 miles wide, and 70 is the sacred meaning in the Bible. It's two perfect numbers, seven that represents perfection, and 10 that represents completeness. The 70 also symbolizes perfect spiritual order and the period of judgment. 70 is specifically connected with Jerusalem with so many references, it'd be really hard to write them all. Another eclipse exactly seven years from tomorrow will also cross the United States. Interesting number seven. Uh, if you know anything about the tribulation hour. Another eclipse is just seven. Again, another perfection. Another eclipse will happen in 2024. Seven years, August 21st, 2017, will mark this eclipse. The astronomers tell us this eclipse will make a perfect X over the United States. And it will end up on the exact crossing of where Two rivers, the Ohio and the Mississippi, come together, and it crosses the fault line. In fact, many of these cross fault lines. So, just an interesting thought, and it comes exactly in that X on the place called Salem Road. Just a thought. The original word in the Hebrew letter called Tav is the English letter for X or T. And the word Tav in the Hebrew means sign. Just a thought. The path of the eclipse will be situated in such a way that every single state in the United States will experience it, even Hawaii and Alaska. The totality of this reach in Oregon will start at 10.16 a.m. Pacific and will end in South Carolina, 2.49 p.m., exactly one hour and 33 minutes. The eclipse is exactly 40 days from Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, the time of repentance. Well, I could go on, but there's something specific about this that um, I think it's a wake-up call. That sound the alarm that the Lord is saying, our nation's in a bit of a mess. You know, we got all this stuff going on, riots coming down and tear down our history. And I don't know what your opinion is on that, but my opinion is we can't rip down. Last night they said they wanted to take down Washington and Jefferson, and I said, what? Somebody was saying, well, we ought to blow up the Mount uh, Rushmore. I said, Really? If you want to have globalization and a one-world government, take down all your roots and forget where you're from. Now, I realize there's a lot of sin in past, and, but uh, we've also come a long way from all that. So you pray on that. But I think time of, our time of 24-7 prayer is to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and get past all this racial unrest, hatred, and violence. And we're, we're, all, we're all one in America here. We should be. All right. Now that I have that off my chest, you all have, ought to have a handout. If you haven't received a handout, you can pick those up when you come in, but uh, if you didn't get one, why don't you raise your hand, we'll get some more for you. I've titled this message, 
living with the revelation of eternity. Living with a revelation of eternity. Let's read this first paragraph together. The Apostle Paul writes, Our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive what we deserve for the good or evil that we have done in this earthly body. The judgment seat of Christ is the bema in the Greek, and it means the reward seat. It is not for punishment. Believers have been eternally saved. The reward seat of Christ, the bema, is for the examination of a believer's life for the giving of or the loss of rewards. On the judgment day, fire will reveal the kind of work that's been done. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned, they will suffer great loss. Jesus said in Revelation twenty-two twelve, Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Turn with me. I want to make a couple of corrections in your handout. If you've got a pen, a couple of things. I put a lot of scriptures here, so we got a little. First of all, in the title, that should be Colossians 3, 2, not 1, 2. Do you want to correct that one? I've got Romans 10, 13, 2 Corinthians 5, 10 in the title, Colossians 3, 2. Then also, um, under H, 3H at the bottom there, the Bema seat, that reference should be 1 Corinthians 3, not 13. And then my computer grammar there at the bottom, there is no judgment. There has an E on the end, I'm told. All right. Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. I want to start there. Lord, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the privilege of your word that is full of living power. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd put revelation behind your word, that we would be equipped and well furnished. God, I pray that no one will leave here without a change, a thought process of capturing eternity, both the short term that occurs for those who walk in righteousness, but the long term that also will cause us to be motivated to serve in ways that touch our hearts and bring love in such a way that we please you, like Paul said, in Jesus' name, amen. I believe the reality is that very few of us really focus on the fact that we're going to live in eternity. We say it, but I mean, I, I, don't have, I, don't, can't, I can't really wrap my head around that. I mean, how long is that? <laughs> it's eternity. Okay. Then why did you give us three score and seven years to figure this out? And then why do we spend so much of our time focused on the the what I'll call the, the natural things of this, that we lose sight of the fact that what we do now will determine what's going to happen then. That's right. We don't get a hold of that. We're just like, we, we say, yeah, yeah, but we really are focused on pretty much tomorrow, next week, the following week, the month. We have to live today, honestly, but Paul writes in the church at Colossus, he says, 
That's not the way you should be doing this. So let's look at Colossians 3, and we'll begin in verse 1. I'm going to look, I'm going to go King James to New Living, the, the exact translation from the 1600s, and then the word of thought for today out of the New Living. King James says, if, verse 1, 3, it's an interesting star sense, but Colossians 3, 1 says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above, not on the things of this earth. He's saying, if you're born again and you love Christ, you ought to get your focus on the heavens, not on what's going on, if, if you're born again. New Living says it this way, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share all his glory. Well, that, that ought to get down in there. Then he goes on and says, since that's a fact, he says, verse five, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. <laughs> like this. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. A greedy person's an idolater. You, you worship your money or the things you want. Worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of your anger, your rage, your malicious behavior, your slander, and your dirty language. Don't lie to each other. You've stripped off all your old sinful nature with all of its wicked deeds. So put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It doesn't matter. Christ is what matters. He lives in all of us. And since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must close yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. And you must love and forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Man, whew, that is like, Powerful. If, what would happen if we grabbed hold of that and the church lived like that? It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? We'd be, you know, we'd overcome our fear and wonder if we were accepted, not worried about being rejected. I like that part of make allowances for each other's faults. Praise God. And don't judge. 
All right, let's look at another scripture. I want to build on this one. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, the church of Corinth was, was a pretty big mess, right? It's a great example for the church. Paul, through those two books, talked about all their troubles and trials, and he was coming to get them. They didn't pay their offerings when they promised they would, and there was this immoral people. They were letting people live with immorality in their midst, and he told them, put them out. Let Satan get a hold of this guy. Maybe he'll save his soul, and he just, man, he, he was mad at them about getting communion and how they didn't wait for each other. He just, he had some issues with the church of Corinth. It was a very, very worldly church, but I love the revelation that he brings. So are you there? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, we know that this earthly tent, King James says, our earthly house, right? You're the house of the temple of God, right? We know that. We are the temple of the living God. That's why he tells you, how can you put impure things in this thing, right? (laughs) Be careful. He goes, I want you to know that we live in this earthly tent, but it's going to be taken down. That is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself. This coincides with Peter said in 2 Peter, uh, chapter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, living stones. And uh, Jesus said he was going away in John 14, right, to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you. In my father's house, many rooms, or mansions. Now, Paul writes, he says, when this house goes down, the earthly house, we're going to get a house made not by human hands, verse 2. We grow weary in these present bodies. We long to put on heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not, he was correcting some things. We will not be spirits without bodies. You're going to have a heavenly body. I tell Terry, you know, as we get older, Pastor Terry and I, things fall down, they get all wrinkled up. I said, someday, Terry, we're going to be like buff, right? We're going to be there. So, yeah. You got to fight it as long as you can. But even Paul said, you know what? It's, it, keep fighting. But one day you're going to have a heavenly body. We're not going to be wandering around on clouds playing harps. We're going to have a heavenly body. It says, now I wonder how Paul got this revelation. We do know in Galatians 1, Paul said after he got wrecked, blinded, knocked down, spirit filled, confessed and turned away from his murdering spirit against the church, says he went for three years and went to Arabia. Remember he said, there was a time when, I don't know if I was in body or not, but I was taken into the third heaven. And I can't, I can say, I saw things and I say, I can't even utter some of the things I saw. Paul had revelation that was clearly, he, he probably had questions, so what about, the, hey, Lord, what happens when we die? He goes, Paul, you'll be all right. So he writes it down for the church. So let's read on. He says, and while we live in these earthly bodies, verse 4, and we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us, rather we want to put on our new bodies so these dying bodies will be swallowed up in life. God himself has prepared for us, and we have a guarantee by his Holy Spirit. Verse 6, so we always are confident, even though we know, as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we know we'll be home with the Lord. 
So whether we're here in the body or away in the body, our goal is to please him. Now here's the operative. This word here is the Bema seat, verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we, reserve, we deserve for the good or evil done in this earthly body. King James says it this way, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat. That's the Greek, Bema that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which hath been done, whether it was good or bad. He goes on and he talks about being God's ambassadors. We are ambassadors that reflect the light. It's a great chapter. I want you to see that there's a time coming. There's, there's two actual reviews. The body of Christ, the believers come before. Remember it says, in, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So this craziness about, you know, going to some, I don't want to be derogatory, purgatory, whatever. Look, the word says it's to be present with the Lord. And it says there's the judgment seat of Christ, but it actually is the reward seat of Christ. And then there's the great white throne judgment that speaks of in Revelation where the unbelievers are judged and they're brought, Satan's thrown in the fire pit and the unbelievers are judged. But we as Christians, if you're walking with Christ and you're, you're born again, your name's written in the book. In fact, we're going to read about the book. And so your name is in the book. You're walking with Christ. You're redeemed. The blood of Jesus, the royal blood of Jesus. I listed just a few scriptures there about the redemptive part of Christ. But there's so many. So you, die, you go before Christ. And at that point, there is this judgment. Now, what are we judged for? about. Let's, let's look at another scripture here. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So flip to the left. First Corinthians 3, and let's begin. We'll look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 says, anyone who builds on a foundation may use various materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, stubble, straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal the kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. He's speaking to Christians. The builder will be saved, but will suffer great loss. Barely escaping through the wall of the flames. Don't you realize that you all together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So stop deceiving yourselves. Stop thinking you're wise by your own standards. You need to become a fool to be really truly wise. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. He traps and snares them in their own cleverness. Again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and he knows that they're worthless. So don't boast about being a particular human leader for everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter, whether it's death or present time, future, you all belong to Christ. There was this real controversy. Well, I follow the Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow this, I follow... Um, okay. Let's turn to another scripture. This one, 
I want to talk to you about how do we know what is our call and how do we know whether we will suffer loss or not. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Again, there's several scriptures around this, but I just want to cherry pick a couple. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus where later Timothy becomes the pastor, his uh, spiritual son, in First and Second Timothy. And he writes this, he, it's, in chapter 1, it's a frequently shared scripture here. In 118, it says, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you might know the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory. Well, in verse 17, it says, Paul says, the Lord Jesus Christ, he prays for them. He says, may God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then he goes, that your eyes of your understanding. So if you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and then it goes on and says, if I have the Holy Spirit and that revelation, then the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened so I will know what is the hope of my calling and what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe him according to the working of this mighty power? He goes on and says, seated in heavenly places. Then in chapter 2, it says we've been made alive with Christ. But I want to have you drop down to verse 8. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you've saved through faith that not of yourselves it's a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. So this is not about works righteousness. You can't work your way into salvation, Right? But once you're in, you have greater works that you are to be actually in pursuit of, God. What are you? And here's what he says. For we, verse 10, for we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. New Living says it this way. For we are God's masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. That wasn't very convincing, but okay. All right, we'll just let that one ride. You're God's masterpiece, and God has created, created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. A couple of scriptures that you can just jot these down. I don't know if we'll turn to them, but in Psalm 139, this is the Psalm of David, right, where it's often quoted about when I was created in the secret place of my mother's womb. You knew every intricate part of me. You knew before I, st before I speak, before I get up. Your every day has been recorded in your book. There is the book of Marion. There's the book of Laura. There's a book of Neil. It's been recorded in the book. And what's interesting is before you were created in the foundation, it says he wrote down what he desired that every one of your books would be accomplished. It's your godly autobiography. Now, the only reason you'd suffer loss is because you did not live up to what is written in the book. And that's why he goes on and he says this in that same Psalm 139, verse 16, he says, every day has been recorded in the book, every moment laid out before it was. Now, let me give you another scripture. It says in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we just read it, that he has preordained for us. So what happens? It's when we're given this gift of free will and we decide, I want to do it my way. He lays out really clear commandments, 
They're not suggestions. And then we say, well, you know what? I, no. I'm not going to do it that way. And so there is one, an immediate suffering of loss, and I'm going to give you some of those in a minute. As soon as you open the door to willful sin or ignorant sin, <laughs> sin, says the wages of that is death. There's eternal death that happens if you're unconfessed in Christ. If you're not a believer in Christ, you're going to be at the great white throne judgment and you will suffer loss. The place that was created for the devil and his demons will be the place of the unredeemed. But those who are redeemed, who are walking in that redemptive part of Christ, the royal blood of Jesus, however, if I still am in my own free will and in my rebellion, what does he say in 1 Samuel? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness as idolatry. And so it goes on and says, so in my rebellion, if I choose, I, I might know the word, I might not really know the word, but we get these guilt things. When you first start, the first time you do something really as a child, you realize, and the conscience there, that's really the Holy Spirit, convicts us. So what happens in your free will, not aligned to his perfect will, you will suffer loss. That makes sense? I'm trying to build a biblical principle here that says, if I choose to know him, how can I know what it is? Well, he says in John 10, I'm the good shepherd, and my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Remember he says, in John 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you my friends, because I have told you what the Father has said, and you follow me and follow my commands. So when we align with the perfect will of God, we know that Jesus was without sin and he did everything the Father told him to do. Even when it came down to the most crucial decision, the one where he cried and there was so, ang I don't know how anxious you can get where you sweat literal blood. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was going to hang on the cross, he knew they were coming. He said, Father, please let this cup pass from me. If there be any other way, three times, he prayed. He asked the disciples, the close ones, they were worn out. He says, can't you just pray with me for one hour? Don't you realize what I'm going through? Don't you know that the enemy wants to sift you? But I've, I've prayed that the enemy would have a limitation on what could happen to you, Peter. That's why prayer. Come on. We got to get into prayer for this nation, for our president, for the, where we're going as a people group. There is no other Christian nation right now behind the United States. If the United States goes down as a Christian nation, I believe it ushers in the one world. Come on. The world powers today. Look. All right, I'll get off on another subject. We got to pray. and We got we to ask the Lord. And that's part of our, I believe, our alignment to this day. Why are you alive right now in this season? You think it was, well, because your mom and dad got together? Well, they did, but that's not, it was foreordained that you would be alive for good works today. This is not some, oh, yeah, no. He doesn't, the guy who operates this universe better than a Swiss clock knows exactly who you are. And you're alive today for a purpose. And so it's time we say, God, what is that purpose? Yes, I can enjoy the pleasures of life, the good things you give me, enjoy those great things that you've given us. 
but not at the sacrifice of the kingdom of God and what he's calling us to do. Come on, there's an urgency. I, I know I'm being a little, but I, there's an urgency in my spirit. I didn't come to, pre, I, I didn't sense, I just, anyway, my wife says, don't growl today or don't do. I know I'm, she's probably going, he's growling a lot. All right. She was okay last week. I don't want to embarrass her. She was okay last week when Peyton growled. But she knows me because before Christ, oh man, I could growl and it wasn't nice. Anyway, I'm not done yet. Lord, just help me. Okay, moving right along. Okay, honey? Okay, thank you. I hope I get lunch later. All right, let's turn with me then now to... Let's, let's look at number one, eternal consequences. I think we've covered this well. The eternal consequences for not living as God has planned, I've listed just a couple of scriptures there. And I've listed there that if the free will is not aligned, and I've listed a number of scriptures there as well. That Romans 14, 10, the judgment seat. Let's take a look at that one. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. Church at Rome, another great epistle by, uh, of the writings by Paul, in verse 12, Romans 14, 12. Well, you know what? Let's start in verse 10, because I just, there's just a whole lot of condemnation going on. You turn on the news today, it's so destructive. You can have a political view, but you know, why do we have to make this so personal? Why do we have to go riot because you don't agree with my, it's just nuts is a spirit that is behind all this. So we need Christians to rise up and bind these spirits and pull it down. Racism and hatred and violence and white supremacy and all this trash that's out there. Golly. Verse 10, Romans 14, 10. So why don't you, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, We'll all stand before the judgment seat. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other and decide instead to live in such a way that will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. So much that we could learn from these powerful words. All right. So there are eternal consequences. I've tried to lay the foundation for that. But if you want some additional motivation, there is also present day consequences in sin or disobedience. And I've just listed a few, and I've tried to give you scriptures on that. Look at 3A. First of all, when you start walking as a pastor now, um, 19 years here full time, I can tell you that I've seen people come and go those who are on fire fall away to the point pastors no longer serving the Lord at all. I, I saw them, they inspired me when I was a younger guy. And I, and I said, how does that happen? And the door cracks, so it, it always starts with just a little bit of leaven, offense, bitterness, resentment, a little bit of sin. And then all of a sudden, 
what happens is it starts to shade the way you think and it starts to confuse and deceive and then the deceiver gets a foothold. None of us are immune. Paul says, watch out. If you think you can't fall, so what happens when that starts to occur, and it can be a legitimate offense. The church is so imperfect, and we hurt people. Families hurt each other. They just do. You ever live in a family and not get hurt? I've not experienced that. But it's all part of the growing up process. When we're little, I got my grandkids, we come over, after, and it's, it's wild. They want to have their dessert before for the food. They went, no. And then they get mad at grandma, and she, I don't love you. Is that what she said? I don't love you. Something like that. And you can't talk like that. Well, I want it my way. Well, you're not having it your way. And then we get old and realize, well, that's probably not smart, you know, that we have our dessert before the meal. And so as time, we get more and more understanding and revelation, and we grow up a little more, we realize that offense is going to come. Didn't he say? Offense will come. So how do you deal with offense? Well, when you start getting offended, you tend to pull away. And then you lose fellowship. And when you start to lose fellowship, you come contrary to Hebrews 10, 25. Do not, do not, Paul writes, Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together, especially as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. Why? Because, he, I mean, just, we've, we've shared on this many times in the, looking at the signs. I laid out 24 signs out of Matthew 24 a while back. It says, First of all, the love of many is going to grow cold. Think that's happening? Iniquity will abound. Last night on TV, they had a, they've now started a church of members with 3,000. It's, it's the cannabis church. The evolutionists? Evolution, they come in there, and they're in the church, and they're all lit up with, I'm like, what in the world? What? I mean, seriously, how, how far? It is crazy. So the loss of fellowship, as we see these things starting to happen, we're going to have to draw together and, and encourage one another in the truth, rightly dividing truth. Divine discipline, he says he'll take you to the woodshed. I listed a couple there. Those he loves, he will discipline. You ever feel like this might be a God woodshed moment? You lose some power in production. Actually, they actually stop wanting to pray for people to see the Lord's power come. You stop producing for the Lord. Then there's loss of opportunities. You lose your vision. You get focused on your self-agenda. Carnal believers very rarely have a vision for Christ and his kingdom. It's really about what do I get now for me? My pleasures. And what, what did Jesus' half-brother James said, if you try to be a friend with the world... You're an enemy of God. So, hmm. Loss of desire, motivation, service, you just really fall away and stop serving. Broken relationships just become full of disharmony and bitterness. And then there's a loss of physical health and vitality. Actually, when David was in sin in the adultery with Bathsheba, I believe he wrote that psalm that says, I become sick even in my bones. Don't take your spirit from me anymore. Restore unto me the, the life and the restoration. And then the one we've looked at 
at the end of this thing, the end of your journey and mine, there'll be the loss of rewards. I think it'll be a glorious day because we'll be with him, but if he lays out your book before, and then he at the same time puts together the book that is, here's what it should have been, and here's what it is. That's why it says when there's the fire test, there'll be this loss, and there'll be suffer great loss. Now, you can get all depressed about that because many of us, I spent many, many years doing my thing, right? And, uh, and then I got saved when I was 21, 22, right? And I didn't do it all right then. And, then, you know, I'd love to say, well, I got saved. And then I was like, oh, yeah. Pastor Willie and I just, yeah, the day I got saved, I just started on this journey. I said, well, man, I, I, I could probably characterize backslidden. They could write books about, you know. And then, then I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and Amen. things started to change. And so I don't want you to be depressed today, but today is the first day of the rest of your life. And you can get in a place where, Lord, what are you calling? Get, get, a, get away with him. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to do an altar call here in just a few minutes. And I believe the Lord told me there's at least three people that need to come. But there's this sense of, well, maybe, I'm, maybe I don't really know if I've, I'm, in the, I'm in the Lord's book. That'd be a really first very important step. If you were to die this moment, your heart would have stopped. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Terry told me somebody invited a person to come. They were here one time, I believe. That person died this week, that week, suddenly. We think it was a diabetic shock. And I'm thinking, Lord, sometimes we only have one opportunity, one chance to share truth. Could be your neighbor, could be your loved one. We want to make sure that if today, this would be the day, or tomorrow the eclipse, you didn't, I'm not, the rapture of the church happened tomorrow, right? Be a really good time, right? To say, now that might be the skin of teeth, you know? Man, I'm glad I was there Sunday. <laughs> I was going to sleep in. Yeah. I'm just saying, please, let the record show. I didn't predict a time or a season. I'll be getting all sorts of stuff, feedback through the mail. Oh, Lord. Okay. Are you okay? What I'm trying to do is, is give us a sense that biblically, if you look at the scriptures, there is eternal consequence and there is current consequence to sin. And the, the good news is Jesus has the answer to all that. <laughs> so I want to take the next few minutes is if, is Sarah still here, Amber, you guys? That, I, want to, I would like you to do that song. Is our whole team here? I, I didn't prepare them. Come on, Brent. Don't you love these guys? Yeah. I don't know if our drummer's still here, but it'll be, it'll be all right. All right. Um, that song that says we are the church, the church of Jesus Christ, it's time for the church to rise up. In, in Revelation 19, where it says we are the bride, and the bride has made herself ready by the good deeds that she has done. So the question in that one, let's turn there. Turn with me one more scripture. Revelation 19. Verse 
Revelation chapter 19. It's the song of victory in heaven. There was this vast crowd of shouting. This is Revelation 19.1. A vast crowd in heaven shouting. Wait a minute, you can't shout in church. At least where I used to go, that was not allowed. No raising hands, no shouting, no dancing, none of that, except it's all over the book. Uh, banners, Psalm 20, banners. Anyway, that's an okay time out. There's shouting in heaven. Praise the Lord. Salvation, glory, and power belong to the Lord. His judgments are true. The elders are falling down. They're worshiping, verse 4. Then he says, and I heard, verse 6, a voice of a great multitude, the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arraigned in fine linen, clean and white, for the linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he hath said unto me, Write, blessed are they which come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And saith unto them, This is the true sayings of our God. And as they fell at his feet to worship him, he said to me, Say that, do not. I'm a fellow servant. He was speaking to an angel. The New Living Translation says in verse 7, Be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She's been given the finest of pure white, given the finest of pure white linen to wear. The fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So before we sing this song, I want to ask you to all to stand. In one, I want to give an altar call, several calls here. I just, there's an urgency, and I feel that Ezekiel 33 watchman call that says, as a watchman, declare. And that's why they said there's an emergency. The time is now. Get ready, get ready. If you're here and your heart were to stop right now and you're not sure where you're going, I'm asking you to please come. And don't be embarrassed. There's a day it says... If you will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father. But if you reject me before men, I will reject you before my Father.